And we're trying, like I said, to uh, bring the right kind of people in here, we think, that can build a championship football team. You guys are the most loyal fans in the world, and I know it hurts that we might not be the Oakland Raiders forever, but we are still Raider Nation. I think it's going to be a, uh, get an army coming into uh, Las Vegas. It's time for the Vegas Nation podcast with your hosts Heidi Fang and Michael Gelkin. Welcome everybody to the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host Heidi Fang and joined along with me today is our Review Journal beat writer for the Raiders, Michael Gilkin, who covers everything for the silver and black. Michael, how are you doing today? Just ahead of free agency, things are ramping up. How is it going on your end of things? I'm doing well. You know, you have free agency starting up next week. You have the possibility of a stadium lease being finalized. That's considered imminent. Uh, lawyers are just crossing the final T's and dotting the final I's there. And a possibility of Antonio Brown trade. As we chat here on Friday, he has yet to be dealt. And so, otherwise pretty quiet how are you doing <laughs> I'm doing all right I've been keeping um on top of everything going on with the possibility of Antonio Brown maybe going to the Raiders and what they would have to give up for him I would think it would be a lot but before we get into that let's go ahead and talk a little bit about this lease agreement because I'm pretty sure that Raider Nation wants to know where their team will be playing when it comes down to the 2019 season and it seems like you said that this is all but done that they will be back in Oakland that they will play at the Coliseum but again there seems to be a snag as you reported just on Thursday Michael Uh, the snag it seems to be of a financial nature but what can you tell us about that snag and the potential that it has to unravel this entire deal yeah well first I'll say that where we are today which is I had uh, somebody who's closely involved in discussions uh, tell me on on Thursday you know, there was an obstacle that the Raiders created, and it's no longer an obstacle moving forward. It's been resolved, and that person expressed he just wishes that somebody would say that this thing's over, because it essentially is, and that we're going to have a, a meeting uh, in front of the Coliseum Authority next Friday, a week from today as we chat, and that this thing's going to get done. And so, again, there's some final lawyer review that is happening. But this meeting is going to be agendized in short order. Um, that is the full expectation from all involved. It's what the Raiders expect. That's what people in the Coliseum Authority expect. And so Scott, Mib- Scott McKibben, the executive director of the Coliseum Authority, who's the lead negotiator, lead negotiator on this deal, he has to see it through before he can make such a declaration. But this thing is headed in that direction. There was an issue a week ago that the Raiders raised concerning the facility in Alameda, uh, some aspects of the financials, and the Coliseum Authority believe that posed a true threat to this deal getting done. Then on Thursday, uh, between Wednesday and Thursday, um, this thing was resolved, and now again on Friday, we're just waiting for the final word that's over. Really on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning at 9 a.m., the Coliseum Authority met in a special closed session meeting to discuss this hiccup that had arose had arisen, and McKibben received directive to proceed with the Raiders in terms of just trying to figure this thing out, and work through it. And then over the coming hours, you know, by afternoon, I was told it had been resolved. So um, that problem is no longer a problem, and we are where we were last Friday, where it's just lawyers reviewing this document, and it should be ready again for a vote in very short amount of time. 
And again, that deal means that the Raiders will be paying $7.5 million to play in Oakland in 2019, and they do have that option to play there in 2020 at $10.5 million should the stadium here in Las Vegas not be ready. But if, let's just say, this thing completely falls apart and it's derailed entirely and there is a big snag and it's bigger than we think, although I know that your information and your source information is usually pretty airtight, but... Is there a backup plan if anything should fall apart here? I don't know the backup plan. I just know it's not a problem anymore. Um, this, it'll be, it, like you said, it'll be $7.5 million for 2019 for this season. It could be less than that. Uh, there could be a small rent uh, reduction if the Raiders do what they intend to do, which is to play one of their two home exhibitions away from the Coliseum, away from Oakland. They've explored Canada as a possible option. Uh, we'll see uh, ultimately what the Raiders do if they are able to do as they hope. But uh, as of as of today, uh, all those figures that you cited are, are correct. Seven and a half million for this year, and then an option, as an insurance policy, insurance policy should the stadium in Las Vegas not be ready of ten and a half million. But um, what the backup option is, I don't know. There is no real quality backup option, which is one more reason why everyone uh, believes correctly that this deal is going to get done. The Raiders are fully prepared and expecting to play in Oakland. The city of Oakland and Alameda County fully expect that they will. This is a deal that is about to get done. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up Canada. I had heard that the Raiders are looking to put a preseason game out there in Canada uh, for this coming season. Do you know anything about that? And what's in the works for the Raiders having one preseason game played out in Canada as a home game, right? Yeah, I reported that the Raiders are going to be are exploring that option. Um, you know, there are a number of options that they have looked into. Saskatchewan and Regina is, is one of them uh, where the CFL team Rough Riders play. Uh, that is a possibility, but nothing's official yet in that front. Uh, Raiders would rather there be as little media as possible as they work their way through that situation. Um, so, but I, I don't know the answer to that in, in terms of, you know, where exactly it would be because it, the Raiders don't know yet where exactly it will be. Uh, there's, there's no guarantee that it will materialize, uh, but that is their hope that this thing gets done where they're playing the game in Canada. Um, they also intend to have joint practices with the LA Rams, the defending NFC champions, Sean McVay and John Gruden are, are very close friends, uh, family friends. They go back a long time. The, Raiders, we saw last year, hosted joint practices with the Detroit Lions. It's possible that these practices happen again in Napa uh, with the Rams coming up uh, before uh, you know, a few days before, say, an exhibition at the Coliseum. Uh, so you'd have one home game during the preseason in Oakland at the Coliseum and then another exhibition somewhere off in, in the distance, perhaps Canada. Uh, that's kind of where the Raiders are in terms of thinking and playing ahead. But right now, don't know exactly whether the training camp uh, joint practice will be in Napa or will it be in Irvine where the Rams host their training camp. It really depends on uh, if presuming they do have a preseason game against each other or that preseason game is between the two locations. Well, right now I would imagine that the Raiders entire focus is headed towards the free agency market and what is available there. Obviously, there's some big name players like Antonio Brown right now that are up for trade that are things were working out almost with the Buffalo Bills with Antonio Brown. But it seems that Antonio Brown does not want to go to the Bills. A lot of different teams have seemed to put up 
offers for him. And I had read that uh, everything needs to be on the table to the Steelers by today if they had interest in Antonio Brown. Are the Raiders still one of those teams, Michael? A couple things. Um, Obviously, this is the situation that many people are interested in. and, And given the quality of player that Antonio Brown is, I mean, there's really no question as to why. You know, six straight seasons of at least 100 receptions. He's the first player in NFL history ever to do that. By comparison, Tim Brown in 1997 was the only Raiders player in franchise history to achieve 100 or more catches in a single year. And so this is the type of player that we're talking about here. He's an all-pro. He's an all-world talent. But... There are some reservations that the Raiders are working their way through if they are to acquire Antonio Brown. Uh, First off, I think it's important to talk about the timing of it. You mentioned the Friday reported deadline on it. Uh, That is what the Steelers would like, but the market for Antonio Brown hasn't been what they like. And so we'll see exactly when this resolution on Antonio Brown comes. But uh, while it could happen today, while the Steelers hope that it happens today, doesn't necessarily need to happen today. March 17th is when a roster bonus is due to Antonio Brown. Pittsburgh would like to deal him certainly before then, and ideally before the legal tampering period on March 11th. But uh, again, uh, if things don't happen to the Steelers' satisfaction on Friday, it's a chance this thing carries into next week, um, possibly. So, important state moving forward. Uh, The Raiders have some pause and i wrote about this uh, an article that appeared wednesday evening in the review journals and friday's print edition some pause as it relates to antonio brown's situation namely his contract it'd be one thing acquiring a man of brown's talents to add as a number one wide receiver it's quite another when that player um, just to excuse for a second all of the off the field drama that has surrounded him Uh, when that player wants a new contract. It introduces an element to this equation that the Raiders haven't been comfortable with. And so you've seen reports that the Raiders are the ones really pushing the activity on the scene, that the team that's been among the most aggressive and really all that. I haven't heard that to be necessarily true. They're really playing this thing at their own speed because of their discomfort with his contract situation. If Drew Rosenhaus... Antonio Brown's agent and the Raiders can find a real comfortable area in terms of where this contract will land. Yes, there's a chance absolutely that Antonio Brown could be a Raider. Do not rule this possibility out, uh, but uh, appreciate the hurdles that would need to be cleared for it to be the case. Raiders have talked a lot about building through the draft, about not leading on for agency. And Antonio Brown, you know, he would insert himself into being the number one wide receiver on this offense. He'd be a huge upgrade. I just don't know if the price isn't right, uh, whether or not the Raiders are willing to make that dip. It's really got to be the contract that comes together for this deal to happen. I don't think the draft pick is going to be the real impediment on this thing. It's going to be the contract. Uh, But do not count the Raiders out entirely. This is a quality football player who has been a headache for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If they believe in the talent, there's a chance they can find a way to fit him on this football team. But the Raiders, I think, could also look to other options and wide receiver in the free agent market. And again, on the 11th, the legal tampering period opens, and then March 13th is 
officially it's all open free game beginning of the season so we have golden tate out there there's tyrell williams who i think would make a great fit with the raiders and then um you know there's some other players as well that maybe looked at somebody like dk metcalf i know john gruden talked about him to the media during the combine week and said that you know he is built like a tank and if you look at the guy to me he looks like the rock but runs like forrest gump he's super fast man and i think that that's somebody that it would be a physical player and somebody that could grow with the raiders but uh, you know we'll look into the draft as that comes along but what do you think about the the market michael who is out there who the raiders could put their eye on it's not a great wide receiver market and for the raiders they are treading carefully as it relates to free agency in general you know mike mayock really believes that free agency is where you supplement your roster it's not where you build your roster you want to build through the draft the last thing that the Raiders can afford to do is get too far ahead of themselves to forget where they are as a football team and to rush this rebuild. And so as we enter for agency next week, uh, the Raiders do want to address wide receiver over the next two months, uh, be it in for agency and or the draft. As it relates to for agency, look for them to be serious, serious players for Tyrell Williams, the six foot four. Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver has developed uh, considerably since he entered the league as an undrafted rookie from Western Oregon, a Division II school. He was thrown in the fire a couple years ago when Keenan Allen went down to injury, and he's really been somebody who has taken steps in his game each year he's been in the league. Uh, You look at, in particular, how he's able to use his size. I used to cover the Chargers. I'm well familiar with his game when he began his career in terms of he had the size, but he didn't really play up to his size. He kind of let the ball come to him. He wasn't somebody a quarterback could trust in contested catch situations. That began to change really last year, something the Chargers worked really hard to develop in his game. That step in his uh, repertoire really makes him the premium wide receiver in this class, certainly the best outside receiver in this class. And so uh, when you have a guy who's 27 years old and can run like Tyrell Williams can run, he's going to have a market north of $10 million, probably closer to 12 We'll see how close he can push to 13 14 Our Raiders aren't going to be the only team in on Tyrell Williams, not by a long shot. Indianapolis Colts, whose head coach, and offensive coordinator used to be Tyrell Williams' offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach in San Diego. He, uh, Both of those guys, Frank Reich and Nick Sirianni, respectively, are in Indianapolis now. Uh, you have Cleveland that has a real need at the wide receiver position. Uh, Buffalo has, is a possibility, too. We know that they are in the wide receiver market. Um, there are some other teams as well. Uh, but the Raiders are right there. I mentioned Tyrell Williams with Western Oregon. This is a West Coast guy. He just bought a house or built a house, something along those lines, in, in northern San Diego. Uh, he's uh, somebody who, when you look at the Raiders' situation, you look at, yes, they are in California today, but they are going to be in Nevada next year with zero state income taxes. I think that is a factor this year when the Raiders are seeking out these top dollar for agents. So uh, we'll see how it all materializes. It, I, I Adam Humphreys, you know, other slot receivers. You know, I look, John Gruden wants an outside guy, a number one, but he also wants a slot receiver this offseason. And so you don't need to do both in free agency. You can get one in March and another in April in the draft. And so we'll see how the Raiders 
stagger their needs and hit, hit, hit them over the course of, of, of this period. But it is a critical period, and we're going to be watching closely exactly how they approach that position. But Tyrell Williams, I'm spending so much time on him because I can tell you that this is somebody the Raiders want in their building. And I'll tell you what, Michael, I was doing some stalking of Tyrell Williams on social media, and I found that he actually attended a UFC fight card here in Las Vegas just last weekend. So that kind of piqued my interest because I thought, well, maybe he's out here taking a look, you know, scouring the lay of the land, trying to see what the future could hold. Or maybe he's just a huge MMA fan like I am. But I thought maybe, maybe there's a chance that he was out here and getting the wheels clicking in his mind uh, trying to think about what his future could hold. That's interesting. I didn't know that he was in Las Vegas. No doubt he he visited, uh, I'm sure, for the for the fight, but he did so well aware of the Raiders' future direction. So I'm sure such thoughts had crept into his mind. And you do mention, obviously, the future and the Raiders looking ahead to this big uh, free agency and their three draft picks that they have in the first round. And they have also another pick early in the second round. But as the free agency nears, you wrote here on the Review Journal. And again, you can find all of Michael's work here on ReviewJournal.com and uh, every podcast, wherever you download, make sure to subscribe. Uh, we have do this as much as we can with any new information. But as the free agency nears, the Raiders are continuing to hold on and tender some of those who they want to have on the team next year, like Jalen Richard. He uh, got a second-round tender from the team, Daryl Worley, and also a safety in Eric Harris. But I feel like they are going to do some upgrading as well, Michael, in the safety position, perhaps in their defensive back position. And definitely, we know they're going to be looking for somebody off that edge rush. I know in the draft, uh, Josh Allen seems to be one of those top picks. He's a player out of Kentucky, and he did very well in the combine. He's somebody I would think that the Raiders have to have their eye on at that four position if he isn't already gone. Because we know at this point, I'm assuming like Nick Bosa is going to be gone. Uh, <laughs> but there, there, that's a position to be addressed as well. But who do you think out there right now could possibly fill that hole left so voided when Khalil Mack left the team? Well, there is going to be obviously difficulty replacing Khalil Mack. Right. Uh, we certainly saw that last season. Right now, Arden Key is the only defensive end under contract for the Raiders. So they're basically starting over at the position. Defense overall, you know, they have some key pieces, and, and certainly there's no disrespect to those who are here. But largely, you know, as one person close to it all told me, it's, a, it's kind of like an expansion defense from a, from a talent standpoint. In terms of you're just kind of starting over. And so the Raiders want to build around the blocks that they have. Uh, you mentioned safety Eric Harris, who the team did extend a tender and restricted free agency on Thursday. Uh, also on Thursday, late in the evening, they were able to reach a two-year extension worth up to $6.5 million for him. So we know he'll be part of things as a ro rotational safety, uh, somebody who can obviously be a core special teamer, but he was much more of a just a special team guy last year. There's some pieces there, Harris now being one of them. But the Raiders, for example, want to find a starter at safety, and they want to build all around. Uh, but again, to your question, how do they replace Khalil Mack? It's going to require a premium investment to expect to begin to replace a premium player. And that number four overall pick is a good place to look for where the Raiders are going to make that investment. Be shocked if the Raiders do anything at number four overall, maybe aside trading. Uh, do anything other than drafting 
a defensive lineman, somebody who can get after the quarterback. You mentioned Josh Allen is probably the most realistic option uh, when you consider Quinnen Williams of Alabama and Joey Bosa of Ohio State uh, figuring to be off the board by then, and all reports indicating that Kyler Murray, the quarterback of Oklahoma, is going number one overall. And so if you felt that there were three pass rushers that were ahead of everybody, uh, if Kyler Murray goes number one, that assures that one of those three will be available to the Raiders at number four overall. Of course, we don't know what the Raiders draft board looks like. We don't know how they feel about Ed Oliver. We don't know how they feel about Montez Sweat. We don't know about any of those things. But certainly Josh Allen would represent a huge addition to this defense, a much-needed one uh, if the Raiders are in that position to do so. Uh, Michael, you got to get in that draft room. you got to find out what the board looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure John Gruden would love that. But as we get closer to wrapping things up, there is one more position that I wanted to discuss about how the Raiders might address it in free agency. Again, the legal tendering period opening March 11th. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, do you think the beast mode returns to the Raiders or – do we look at somebody in free agency? There are a few running backs out there. Uh, Jay Ajayi, always kind of been injury prone. Uh, Mark Ingram, Tevin Coleman from Atlanta. There, there's a few guys who may possibly be available there at that position. Do the Raiders look to replace Marshawn Lynch, or do they bring back Beast Mode? Well, I think when you look at the free agent backs that you mentioned, you know, there's some injury history there, and then there's some older backs and all that. I would. I think Tevin Coleman is an interesting name to watch. Uh, I can see the Raiders making a run at him. Um, Marshawn Lynch, with the team being in Oakland, there is a chance that he returns. It sounds like he's willing to play if the Raiders are in Oakland, and it sounds like he's really only willing to play for the Oakland Raiders. And so I would say the door from that vantage point is open. I also think, that the Raiders are taking a really critical look at the position and given probably some durability concerns as it relates to Marshawn Lynch, uh, probably are willing to find a back elsewhere to be their number one. Um, but uh, how that amounts to, how that shakes out, I think it's one of those fluid situations again where a team enters the free agency period with a number of options and they sip their way through them. And then, of course, we know the depth of the draft tends to be quite the opportunity to find a running back, even in undrafted free agency. You can, uh, you know, these undrafted rookies following the draft, you can really find some diamonds in the rough. So uh, if there's one position not to invest heavily, uh, you could argue it's this one. Uh, Jalen Richard is back. Uh, the Raiders, you know, have some pieces in that backfield. Chris Warren coming off of a knee injury it really was stashed last year. DeAndre uh, Washington, he's under contract as well. Um, I think it would have to be a bag that the Raiders are really excited about to spend money on. So, again, watch Coleman. Don't rule out Marshawn Lynch. But I, I, this is one of those fluid situations that the Raiders are working their way through, and it's kind of hard to project exactly where they're going to land on it right now. And again, Marshawn Lynch, like you said, somebody who was born in Oakland, who went to high school, college, everything in the East Bay, I would imagine that that's where he would want to finish out his career. And Gruden did say at the NFL Combine that he still had some interest in beast mode. So we'll see how that goes. And like it plays out the free agency. You never know what's going to happen. It's like a wild west out there once it gets going. So Michael, that is actually all the time we have for today. But again, thank you so much for all the information 
information that you always bring to us here. And we will be back with more from the NFL draft as we get into some preview shows here on Vegas Nation. You'll want to tune in for those. To check out all episodes of Vegas Nation, they're available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and ReviewJournal.com slash podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to the show and give us both a follow on Twitter at GelkinNFL and at Heidi Fang. For Michael Gelkin and me, thank you for listening. <laughs>